You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Let me know when it's live, but all right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. Uh, we are without a Simon this week. Uh, yep, but we got somebody group. else instead. We do. We have a better person in the place of Simon. <laughs> hey, there he is. Mike Spofford. Welcome back. How you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Um, so I'm just going to give a little update. Uh, Tyler, myself, and Bryant for Packer episodes. We're doing a little contest where we, we with our scores from the head, I'm taking total scores, adding them up. And then I take the total score from the Packer game and I add it up. And who's ever the farthest away has to donate 50 bucks to Tyler and I's scholarship that we're going to be giving away this next summer. So a uh, little update Packers. on that. The Packers have 361 total. That's their total score with their opponents. Uh, Bryant has 345. So he's the closest right now. So congratulations. <laughs> and the most shocking news that I think I've had in a long time is through 10 games from scores from the head, Tyler and I have the exact same number. And I literally didn't believe it. So I checked it twice. And that is and, – and Tyler always says this line, you know, when we, we're talking, you know, we could be talking Bucks, Brewers, Badgers. He goes, get out of my head. And that's the most ridiculous statement now because we are in each other's head right now. So uh, a little update on that. Uh, Mike, uh, Tyler – not this Mike, another Mike, our Badger expert. Uh, we, we're doing that for the Badgers show as well. So I'll give an update on that on Wednesday. But uh, we're going to get rolling on this Packers episode. So, Mike, what's new? How you doing, man? I'm all right, fellas. How are you guys doing? Surviving. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being completely honest, I would say we're probably doing better than a big chunk of the fan base because we were you know, realistic with our expectations yeah. for this season. <laughs> sure. And we, we have the ability to stay a little bit more level-headed when even some of the, the lower expectations aren't met. So I think yeah. I think we're doing a little bit better than than the average fan, maybe, but we're trying to help them out with that. Yep. That's yeah, yeah, having the cautiously optimistic approach helps a lot. Um, obviously, you're still passionate, so during the game, you're like, "Come on, man, just get it done, get it done, get it done." What are we doing here? Right. But it's been yeah. so much easier for me this year to like wind down within like five ten minutes after the game to be like, "Okay, well, let's look at the positives that came away from it." Uh, we I think we've seen great growth the last two games from Jordan Love. Um, you can see it's almost like it's slowing down for him. Um, so overall, I, you know, 
I've been pretty happy, pretty, you know, easy to get over the games. And uh, I think there's a lot of young talent I'm excited about. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's, you know, I, I admit though, I mean, it's, it's hard to just gloss over, you know, how tough it is. Cause I mean, my first thought, you know, I mean, walking out of that press box in Pittsburgh and heading downstairs for the press conferences, like the thoughts that were in my head was like, man, if they had played like that in Vegas and in Denver, this team's got two more wins, you know, and as, as hard as that, as hard as that loss was in Pittsburgh and it was tough. I mean, you know, it was, it was that much tougher because in my mind anyway, because they had played so much better offensively and, and, you know, you're walking away from that going, man, you know, and I was even looking back this week, you know, why, I don't know. I torture myself, I guess, in some respects, but, you know, I look, look back, mentally and through the play-by-play a little bit of like those Vegas and Denver games. And it's like, you're reminded, you know, right before the last interception against Vegas, there were two drop passes, you know, and right before the last interception in Denver, they were in field goal range and to win the game. And then a holding penalty pushes you out of field goal range, you know? And so it's just, it's, it's like those things where, you know, and, and, you know, ifs and buts, candies and nuts as we get close to the holidays and all that. <laughs> but, but uh, um, you know, the, this, this team is, you know, obviously four and five or five and four would just feel so much better than, than three and six, you know, even if you lose the Pittsburgh game, as tough as that was, it's like, you're looking at, you know, so many more positive things to come out of it. So, you know, record aside, you kind of have to, you kind of have to cast that aside right now and just go, all right, you know, this, the, the progress is there, right? We've seen it. It's there. It hasn't translated into, into victories yet. You know, I mean, since week one, the only victories this team has, unfortunately, is against backup quarterbacks and, and uh, you know, with new Orleans and and the Rams both losing their starters. And, and, uh, um, but I think there's been there, the progress is there that uh, that if they can keep playing like this, as Matt Lafleur said after the Pittsburgh game, you keep making progress like this, the wins are going to start to come. It's just uh, you just don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Yeah, I told uh, Jake and Tyler after the game, like people are going to be upset, but we gave a six and three team pretty much all they could handle on their home field, and yeah. I, we're not in the the business of blaming rest, but I still don't understand. Like, uh-huh. I don't think there's been good explanation for that play. Um, it was a huge call in the game. There's no, there, there's no getting around that. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't want to let it all hang on the refs and everything else, but uh, it's a, it, it's an enormous call in the game that, you know, either should have been a first and goal for the Packers or possibly should have been a touchdown if they had just never blown the whistle in the first place. I mean, we all know that um, it's, it's tough. It's another tough break. I mean um, you know, this team hasn't gotten, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of good breaks in, in that regard. And, and, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, just another part of that game that made it tough to swallow for sure. Yeah. Um, Packers total access on YouTube said, what's up fellas. Uh, Mike, I'll give you the choice. Do you want to talk about coaches or Jordan love first? (laughs) You, I, I mean, either way, guys go right ahead and fire away. Um, Jake and I, Jake and I tend to be uh bad news first guys. So we can talk about the coaching okay. staff first. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I think we're feeling a little more optimistic about Jordan Love after the last two weeks, like Brian said, but first thing out of the head coach, Matt LaFleur and the three coordinators, Adam Senovich, Rich Basaccia, Joe Barry, whose job is safe. 
I, I mean, I, th I think, I think Matt Lafleur's job is one hundred percent safe. I do not see, I do not see any decision from Mark Murphy after this season of, uh, of moving on um, after that, after this year. I think, uh, um, I think the the development of Jordan Love is obviously the key, and uh, I just, I just don't see Matt Lafleur's job being in jeopardy at all. I mean, quite frankly, I, you know. I'm not one to to necessarily talk about whether guys' jobs are are you know on the line or not. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just I'll say this with regard to with regard to Joe Barry and the defense, and I know all the you know the, where the fans are at and all that. Yeah. I read it in the emails every day. Um, I think at the end of the day, the most disappointing thing with regards to this Packers defense is that in 2023. It's riding the same roller coaster that it rode in 2022, where you see flashes of good play. You see some stretches in games, sometimes even close to a full game of some pretty good defense. And then you see things where it feels like it completely falls apart. And, and it's hard to get a grip on that. It's hard to have a real good explanation for that when, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're not. Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I mean, some challenges that are coming up here for the Packers defensively are much bigger than the ones they have faced. And by and large, against some teams that they should have been able to hold under 20 points, um, the Packers defense did that. They they did their job in that respect. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, when you go when when you've had played nine games this year and three of the nine, you've allowed over 200 rushing yards. And you've shown in other games how much better you can play the run. That's where I talk about just the inconsistency, the roller coaster. And I talked all last offseason, my whole thing about the Green Bay Packers defense in 2023 is you've got to smooth out the ride. You've got to be more reliable. You've got to be something that that, you know, the head coach and his offense and everything can count on to play a certain way. Um, and uh, and it's just it's 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 been this roller coaster. I think the rushing defense is the, is the biggest, biggest example of that. The fact that the defense is riding the same roller coaster as it was last year, the play has not smoothed out any more than it did a year ago. Um, that I think is the, uh, is the most frustrating aspect of what's going on on that side of the ball. Yeah. yeah we're so that's, that's where you came to with that. Cause the next thing I was going to ask you was how do you fix the green Bay run defense? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it was they've they've proven that they can play the run a lot better than they have in certain situations. And I, you know, I I'm the first to admit I never played tackle football. I never strapped on a set of pads. I've never coached the game. I, you know, I look at it. I analyze it from the perspective that I have. I don't. I don't know how things can go so drastically one way to the other where for a couple of weeks you allow two and a half yards of carry and then suddenly for an entire game with a team running the ball down your throat you're allowing five and a half to six yards of carry I um, and and uh um i i don't know i mean uh you know go ahead if you guys want to talk about it i don't know what the answer i don't know what the answer is to that um because the packers have shown that they can do it and why it's so inconsistent, I think is, uh, is it's not only frustrating, but it's also for me hard to explain. I think the most disappointing thing for me is just that like, it's been a couple, like at least this game for sure. Like 
you got to make Kenny Pickett try to beat you. And the way you do that is by shutting down the run. So I feel like we should have sold out for the run a lot more. Um, or however, it looked like guys were overshooting gaps. And I think Matt LaFleur talked about that a little bit. Um, and they're not doing their sound defense, but that comes down to players making plays and, you know, some maybe, you know, identifying something to coaching. But some of those games where you're playing like, you know, of Kenny Pickett, you need to make them beat you through the air. Now, now we have Herbert, you know, Mahomes, or excuse me, Herbert Goff and Mahomes back to back to back. You're probably gonna play a little bit lighter on the run, but those those running backs are scary because Austin Eckler, Gibbs, and Isaiah Pacheco are huge threats in the, out of catching the ball too. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what their plans are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I mean, I, I think it's just been again, you know, I, I don't like always going back to last year, but it just there's so much of it that feels defensively it feels the same to last year for me and, and a lot of the personnel there are some some newer guys being worked in but for the most part on defense you've had a lot of the same personnel as last year and you talk about okay you got to sell out to stop the run you got to make Kenny Pickett beat you well last year they had the Thursday night game at home against the Tennessee Titans and they completely sold out to stop Derrick Henry which they did and then Ryan Tannehill completely torched them True. With big play after big play, and when the offense didn't have a very good night, they got beat. Now, that is an example. You know, when I went back and looked at that game last year after it happened, there were there were a lot of problems going on in the secondary in that game. In part, Darnell Savage was, in my opinion, freelancing a little bit in terms of the scheme, and that was a big reason for some of those big plays being allowed. And it wasn't a surprise to me that the very next game, Darnell Savage was on the bench, you know. And so if you're the coaches, like, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, last last year you did. You had Derrick Henry. You sold out to stop him, and you did. But then you had guys in the secondary trying to make plays that they weren't supposed to make, and you still got torched by a middle-of-the-road quarterback, and you lost a game that at home that you very well should have won. So yeah. – I th- I just I think the I, I the issues with this defense over the last couple of years to me it's been it, it's it's been this big hodgepodge of everything I don't I mean I don't think I don't think there's any one place you can put the blame but I don't think there's anybody who's devoid of blame in terms of the inconsistencies and how this defense just rides this roller coaster. For me, I think there's one thing that intensely strongly correlates with how the defense performs and it's their tackling it the the roller coaster that the the defense rides their tackling rides the exact same roller coaster so if we're talking about the Steelers game and the rushing that the Steelers were able to put up the Packers missed 16 tackles yeah that is absurd (laughs) <laughs> That's like three times the amount you should be aiming for as a goal. Yeah. 16 tackles missed is wild. And, yeah. you know, you look at the stat sheet and you see that the Steelers had 205 rushing yards. 119 of them came after contact. Right. Over 50% exactly. of their rushing yards were after contact. Right. No, and that, and that's and that's a valid point because you look back at, you know, I mean – as I say, the defense has been on this roller coaster, good games, bad games, good stretches, bad stretches. The worst defensive game, in my opinion, last year was the night game out in Philadelphia. Now, of course, the Eagles ended up going to the Super Bowl, almost won the Super Bowl. They were a heck of a team, right? That was an absolutely abysmal defensive performance. But what was the biggest thing that stood out about that performance in Philadelphia? They missed a boatload of tackles. I mean, guys were in position to make plays, 
you know, at least, you know, stop it. If you can stop a run for five yards instead of letting it rupture for 15 or 20, that's, you know, that's going to change a lot of things. That game in Philadelphia last year, worst defensive performance of the season was also the worst tackling performance of the season. So there's a, there's a lot to be said for the correlation that you're drawing there. No question about it. Yeah. So we'll switch off of the coaching staff and we can have a little more fun and talk about Jordan Love. Right. So this can be across the whole season, but what have you seen Jordan Love really improve on? I mean, for me, for me, what I've seen is what I've seen is his ability to to deliver the ball from some different platforms. And I think that was I think that was most evident as far as within one game. I think that was most evident in the in the Pittsburgh game last week, whether you're talking about having a clean pocket and, you know, having your footwork there and being able to step into throws. But then there were also some plays where not necessarily saying he was on the run, but where he had to make an adjustment, you know, to move himself in the pocket and then still get off a good throw or be able to avoid the sack and just throw an incomplete pass and be able to avoid, you know, the negative play. Um, Unfortunately, Jordan Love can't avoid the negative plays uh, with regard to the run because it seems like there are always those key moments where there's a handoff and then there's just a complete, you know, uh, uh, you know, wreck job against the run where, uh, where you lose three or four yards on a play, you know, and you're just kind of like rolling your eyes, like, my gosh, you know, be better to throw an incomplete pass there. Right. So, um, he can't do anything about those, but when I when I see when I look at, for example, the you know the two big plays to Jaden Reed in Pittsburgh last week, the touchdown pass, the thirty-five yarder, that pocket was as clean as it gets, man. I mean, the, the protection was there; it was completely solid, and he had he had his he had you know vision over the entire field. He stepped in, threw the deep ball, laid it right on the money. I mean, there you go. Then the first play of the final drive of the game, which ended up kind of being a busted play, a little bit of improv. Jaden Reed's middle route is completely blanketed. He's the two safeties are bracketing him deep down the middle of the field. Love kind of steps up to his left. He's got pressure coming in his face. He sees an empty area of the field where Jaden Reed might be able to get there. So he lets it fly. And Reed fortunately is able to see it. You know, he's on the same page improv wise improv wise with him and uh and goes and makes a catch for 46 yards and gives him a chance on that final final drive at the end of the game. I mean, those are two they go in the scorebook as a 35-yard pass to Jaden Reed and a 46-yard pass to Jaden Reed. Those are two completely different plays and yeah. how they unfolded, how they were executed, and how they were successful. And seeing stuff like that is is uh is what tells me that things are coming along for Jordan Love. Yeah, that's that second throw to Reed too. He was like off balance because he was stepping forward and kind of like stepped on his offensive lineman's foot, and he's kind of falling down as he was throwing it. That's yeah, yeah, that was impressive. Uh, very like duck, back. Man. So it looked like a duck, but it was it was perfectly on target. I was like, what in the hell? Yeah, I mean, seeing that, seeing that from the press box, like when he let when he let it go, when he let it go, it was sort of like, wait a minute, you know, because watching from the press box, it was like, where's he throwing that? And then you know, it was like. Reed was like headed right to that area of the field. And it was, and then it was like, Oh, it was, you know, it was right there. And then when I looked at the film afterwards, I noticed that the, the safety that Reed had crossed over to go that way 
his his entire body was shifted the other direction so he had no chance to spin around you know and get back there and uh and that's a you know that's just a really good job by both the quarterback and the receiver of reading the body position of the coverage guys and trying to make something happen um you know in an improv sense and uh and it worked out and it gave him a chance at the end i thought the throw to Dobbs was another like when i'm watching on tv right i thought he was throwing out of bounds i thought he was just getting rid of it and then so he like I know we don't have the best view on TV, but you can see how much touch he put on that because he got it up and over. I thought it was going out of bounds. He, you know, gave Dobbs enough room to make a play. And people are like, "Oh, it's only like an eight-yard touchdown pass or whatever." It was. Yeah, but he threw that ball like thirty-five or thirty yards or whatever to the yeah. back of the end zone across the field there. Like that's yeah. a, that was a really good throw as well. So yeah, I mean, it's funny that you would say that because I actually said to Wes in the press box, like, like uh, as soon as he let go of that ball, I was kind of like, oh, I, I I mumbled under my breath, like, "Oh shoot," because I thought. The same thing as you, like when I saw it live, I thought he was just throwing it away like he didn't have anybody. And then it ended up being right on target for Dobbs to make <laughs> the uh, to make the toe tap catch. I mean, the other thing I'll point out, too, you know, and, you know, I, I don't want this to become like a whole big defense of Jordan Love because, you know, some of the criticism of him is warranted. And there are certainly still things that he needs to work on. But there was a play, I believe it was early in the fourth quarter. It was a third down and. A.J. Dillon misses the blitz pickup, and Love manages to avoid the sack. He gets out of the pocket, and then he tries to fire on the run to Tyler Kraft, and the throw is behind him, and it's incomplete. And immediately, like, everybody that I'm seeing in the live blog and seeing on Twitter and everything else is like, oh, my God, it was, like, another inaccurate throw, like, can't hit his guy, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know, if you look at that play, he if he throws it accurately for Tyler Kraft, that ball's going to get picked off. He saw the defender was closing in from behind on Kraft. He threw it behind him on purpose, just in the hope that maybe Kraft could stop his feet and reach back and catch the ball. It didn't work out, but it's an incomplete pass, and they punted. If he actually throws it to where Tyler Kraft is running, that's an interception, and that game is over way before the final two possessions of the game. And those are the kind of plays that it's like, he, you know, everybody wants to criticize him for that. And it's like, look at the play. That ball's going to be an interception if he throws it where you think he's supposed to throw it. He didn't throw it there. He kept the ball safe, allowed him to punt, and allowed him to stay in the game on a play that was completely busted. So seeing things like that too, especially in the in the ways that even later in that game, he forced a ball that he knows he shouldn't have. We saw in Vegas and in Denver, he was forcing balls that he probably shouldn't have. The fact that in that moment, in the fourth quarter, trailing on a third down, avoids a sack, he didn't force the ball. He threw it away. They let him punt, and he stayed alive. I mean, it's little things like that that hopefully you see that, that, uh, that you know, the progress is going to be there. And, uh, and unfortunately, in my opinion, he actually didn't get enough credit for, uh, for a play that was an incomplete pass that very easily could have been an interception if he's just looking at his receiver and not looking at the defense. That's a thing where you really have to take the perception into account. Yeah. And and it's a thing where you really have to at least be open to the idea of other points of view on certain plays. And instead of just seeing, you know, oh, this was an incompletion. Now I have another reason to push my narrative that Jordan Love is an inaccurate quarterback. Right. As opposed to going through the breakdown that you just gave, that it's actually a smarter play where it's only where his receiver can catch it and not throwing it to where a defender has a chance to make a play on it. Yeah, it was it was a it was it was just a, it was a shot in the dark. It was a miracle kind of thing. Like there's very little chance that Tyler Kraft is going to be able to 
dig his feet in and be able to reach back and make that catch. And he couldn't, you know, he wasn't able to react quickly enough to it. Obviously Tyler Kraft doesn't see the defender bearing down on the front side. Who's going to pick that ball off if it's thrown that way. Right. So love, love is trying to throw it a little bit behind him to see if he maybe has a chance to make a play and it didn't work out. But in my opinion, that was actually a really, when I, when I looked at it, when I first saw it on replay, uh, in the press box, I thought that was actually a really smart play by Jordan Love. But then all you see everywhere is him being criticized. Oh, he's not accurate. You know, he missed. You know, he missed him and whatever. Well, you know, if he had, if he had thrown it where you think he was supposed to throw it, and that ball gets picked off, the criticism ratchets up even further. So while we're yeah. on the oh, go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say, kind of talking about that too. I said immediately after the game too, because people are freaking out that he threw an interception in the game. And I yeah. said, what would you rather him do? Throw an incompletion? Maybe yeah. Pick- Take a yeah. sack with that, with that. Look Throw better? the ball in the dirt or, or chuck it into the stands because nobody was. I mean, on the last the last play of the game, I do not blame Jordan Love one bit. It's like he, he the fact that the Packers actually had a chance from the 16 yard line for one final play was like a borderline miracle, and he deserves yeah. some credit for that. And you got you got to take your shot, right? I mean, and and you you look at I mean the Steelers lined up seven guys straight across the goal line you know, pylon to pylon. They were all right there. And, I asked and, somebody on Twitter, I'm like, what miracle play is there to draw to get somebody open five exactly. on seven? Yeah, that is not a normal red zone play, right? Like that is not how defenses normally, you know, line up to play in the red zone. The so only, like, I would love to see this miracle play. The only thing yeah, I it, was, it, was, it was an incredibly, it was an incredibly tough spot to be in. You know, the, the one that the one that was really unfortunate in my mind was uh, was the interception earlier to Watson. Yeah. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, it was on second down. You know, you weren't you weren't in a do or die situation there at all. You know, after the game, I actually had asked Lafleur about that play, about that interception, and he said in the post game press conference that it wasn't it wasn't the best coverage look for the route concept that they were running on that side. So. He probably should have looked backside for another option. And then when I saw the replay in the press box right after the game, I, you know, I leaned over to Wes and I, I said, you know, Watson ran a bad route. He, he didn't, he ran an out and up and he didn't sell the out. And I'm sorry, but if you don't sell the out on a future hall of famer named Patrick Peterson, you're not going to get open on that, you know, and it's the, it's, you know, cause Jordan love actually does the shoulder shake because Watson is supposed to be selling the out route, but the quarterback doing the shoulder shake doesn't do anything if the receiver is not selling it at the same time. So Peterson sticks with him all the way on the on the up and uh, and makes a great play. And uh, and unfortunately, it, it didn't work out. And that's, you know, it was a bad decision to make that throw, in my opinion, but it was also a bad route where his receiver didn't uh, follow the details of the route to give himself the best chance to make that play. And, uh, and then not only does it not work, but it results in a turnover. So you don't even live for third down or even fourth down, or do you kick a field goal you get within one point and then maybe you have a shot to win it. Like all those things we'll never know because the interception came on second down in the red zone. It was kind of interesting to hear. So good question. Cause it was nice to hear. We were kind of talking about that before this was to hear Matt LaFleur. I'm not saying to call people up, but kind of allude to those things like, Hey, this is what we need. He I noticed a little more out than that this week because he did it with Aaron Jones too. Because Aaron Jones, like that's not a veteran move for him not to go out of bounds there. Like that was 100%. you never know what could. Have, that's like 10, 12 seconds we could have. We wouldn't maybe we're not throwing from the sixteen yard line in a prayer. Maybe yeah, you might have you might have two more plays. 
you might have two more shots in the red zone at the end there. You know, you might have two more plays after the, after the fourth down conversion, instead of just having the one shot at it. So two things, uh, one about that play about Watson, I, I really, I understand, but I don't enjoy Watson's dad and brother just throwing Jordan Lovin under the bus. That was just so uncalled for for me. And I'm kind of like, dude, he's got to be on the same team as him. So, like, they got to work this shit out. Like, let them work it out themselves. They're both grown men, you know, and they're growing together. They're figuring each other out. So that, to me, was just so uncalled for. But uh, we're, we're going to go to the next question here. I, I'm going to ask you this. And th- this one, oh, my God. I can't believe this <laughs> is even a thing. Um, what would you say to people wanting to start Clifford over Love? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean for real. <laughs> the reaction said it no. all. <laughs> I mean, and no, nothing, nothing against Sean Clifford. I, I, I love the guy. You know, I've gotten to talk to him a couple times, and it's certainly fun to watch in the preseason. I think he exceeded everybody's expectations yeah. for a rookie preseason for a fifth round pick yeah. and everything like that, and not just a fifth round pick, but a guy that many people thought you know might not even be drafted. But all of that aside, I mean. Jordan Jordan Love has waited three years for this opportunity. You don't you don't pull the plug after eight or nine or ten games or whatever it is. There is just no way you do that. I mean, you and and especially see here here's here's the thing. And and again, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to build you know this this uh, uh, wholehearted um, you know incontrovertible defense of everything because. You know, I mean, love, love. There, there was, there was some risk going into this with all of your receivers and your tight ends being as young as they were for a new starting quarterback, right? But the original construction, the original idea, was that with regard to the veterans on the offense, what you would consider like the the backbone, you know, the veteran backbone of the offense was supposed to be the left side of the offensive line with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and the running game with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. The way the first half of the season unfolded, you lost Bakhtiari, you lost Aaron Jones for multiple games and have had him multiple games on a snap count, uh, you know, on a, on a rep count. And so what was supposed to be your, you know, your veteran backbone of the offense, knowing that all the receivers and tight ends were going to be so young, that did not go as planned. So for anybody who thinks that with with all of that as the context that after eight games or nine games or 10 games, you're supposed to just pull the plug on Jordan Love and send in your rookie fifth round draft pick when when you've been working three years to get Jordan Love to this point to give him this opportunity. To me, that is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, for me, like. And it's not like he's played all that bad, right? Yeah, great answer. I love that. But um, yeah, I, I was enjoying listening to you cook, man. That was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he's going for two thousand yards. He's got fourteen touchdowns. Yes, he's got the ten interceptions. But let's see, this last one you could probably like. Yeah, he's trying to make a play. Same with against Oakland, just trying to make a play there at the end of the game. Right. You could, Denver is a little more like, hey, man, like that's that hurts because we saw a decent chance of getting a field goal range there. But like, you know. If so, would you feel better if we said he had 14 touchdowns and only seven interceptions? I don't think he's lost a fumble. I think he's so overall, he's you know, has less turnovers than scores. And you're right, he has a super young team that he's learning around that's been super injured. Like for me, it's like 
I guarantee there's a few teams probably that wish they were in our situation right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I, I just, I mean, what I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the interceptions. I mean, I, I referenced it, I referenced it earlier. The interception at the, the interception at the end of the Vegas game came right after back-to-back drop passes by Romeo Dobbs and Luke Musgrave. Dobbs on the sideline, Musgrave over the middle. Back-to-back drop passes. He's in third and 10. He takes a shot and the ball gets picked off. You know, the Denver game, the interception comes after a holding penalty that eventually puts him in like yeah. third and 20 or whatever yeah, it was. Third and 20. You know, I'm not I'm not excusing the interceptions, but it's not just you can't just look at a stat and say, like, okay, you know, this guy is hundred percent responsible for you know for these numbers. I mean, one of the interceptions against uh, against the Vikings, Jaden Reed got the ball ripped out of his hands by the safety yeah. for an interception. Like, is that interception not Jordan Love's fault? Not a chance in the world, you know. So, I mean, but it's you know, everything that has that has been that has gone wrong with the offense has been a collective like group thing. And yeah. Jordan Love's ultimate success and where I think this is headed is also going to be ultimately a group thing. It's not going to be all him. It's going to be everybody else coming along with him. I think that's the vision that Gutekunst and Lafleur have. And yeah, everybody's getting frustrated. Everybody's getting impatient. Nobody likes to be three and six. Those guys don't like to be three and six. Everybody at the top of the brass in the Packers organization, nobody wants to be three and six, but um it's taking maybe longer than anybody had hoped and whatever. But when you see, when you see the progress, that's what you have to build on, whether you were hoping that progress would be a month and a half ago. Well, it didn't happen, but it's happening now. So build on it, see what you can do with it. And let's see where this goes. If you take a step back and put it in perspective, like it's not as bad as people instantly want to make it out. When you consider, yes, the record's not great at the and six, but we're so like it's one of those weird years, like the Vikings last year. They they won all the one score games. We're just losing them this year. And with yep. with experience, that's gonna eventually flip once we learn how to win these games and close these games. Yeah, I mean that's 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 life. You know, that's yeah. life in the NFL. I mean, I think back to Lafleur's first season in 2019. The Packers were winning. You know, the Packers were winning all kinds of one score games. They didn't look all that great doing it. Quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers was not playing like an MVP. The defense was actually carrying them in a number of games and they were winning all kinds of close games. The Packers, you know, close game record in 2019 was a lot like Minnesota's last year, quite frankly. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, there's something to be said for that when you can find ways to win that way, but that's also just the way this league goes sometimes. And and sometimes those games are not going to go your way and you can't, you can't make the play at the right time. You don't get the break at the right time or, or whatever the case might be. And, and uh, you just have to keep fighting and, and working your way through it. I think that kind of goes along with some of Matt LaFleur's comments about the defense where it's like you held them to 19 points or 17 points. Like those are games you should be able to win. And I think that's where that kind of comes from. Yeah. Uh, I know we want to be respectful of your time. Do you got time for one more? Sure. Uh, what do you think Jordan Love can get better at? Whew. Boy, um, no, I would, put Clifford in. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I guess, I guess what I would say, what I would say is, um, is I think it's the the one thing I would like to see because because when you talk about young players, what you don't want to see is is making the same mistake twice, right? You don't want to repeat similar mistakes. And what I've seen, I think 
this year at least two, maybe three times from Jordan Love is when they've been in field goal range and he's taken a sack. And That's Brian's uh, favorite thing. <laughs> and I think now, if you go back and watch Aaron Rodgers, he did the exact same. Thing. No, and he and he did, and it, and it's and it's fr- and it's frustrating as heck, right? But the, you know, there what what I've what I've seen what I've seen with Love at least a couple of times is where they've gotten into field goal range, and it feels like the offense has this momentum, and you can tell that he's trying to seize on that momentum, and it'll be a play where the pass protection initially is there, and it holds up. But then he tries a little bit too hard to make something out of that play because it starts out with the right protection and starts out promising. And then it ends up kind of falling apart and he ends up taking a sack, you know, uh, you know, more of like a four and a half or five second sack as opposed to two or two and a half second sack. And those are the ones when when those like knock you back out of field goal range. Those are the ones you have to avoid. You've you've just you've got to whether it's the clock in the head, whether it's just get out of the pocket, avoid the negative play at all costs when you're when you're in scoring range. Where an incomplete pass is a heck of a lot better play than a sack, you know. And uh, and so I guess that's where I would say I would like to see the rest of the season to see that type of you know mistake or negative play be reduced if not eliminated from his game as much as possible. Great point, too, because we have a – I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but Andres Carlson, I feel like he's gotten a little bit shaky the last two or three games, had a couple misses, has the – I know the block isn't on him, and it's just awful blocking by DeGuara. But, um, right. like, even if it's not out of field goal range, just a few yards, like, anything right now is going to help Andres Carlson. So, no great point. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, you know, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, and, and, you know, Tyler started out by saying – by talking about how – you know, you look at things from, you look at things from different perspectives, right? So, I mean, how different, even if, even if the Packers lose the game, how different is the perspective of the Pittsburgh game? If you're only down three and that final drive with 59 seconds left gets you to a tying field goal and gets the game to overtime, what are people saying about Jordan Love if he's not, if he doesn't have to force the ball into the end zone with three seconds left and they can send out a kicker to get it to overtime instead, but you don't have that opportunity because of the block PAT. So it's, you know, looking at things from all those different perspectives like that, that I think is important. Yeah. The important context. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate you hopping on with us for a little while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always would love to have you back. And I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, during the rest of the season. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Hit me, hit me up guys. Good to talk to you as always. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good night, Mike. All right. Thanks. You too. Take care, fellas. Barry said, thank you, Mike. You're a legend. <laughs> all right. Let me, let me touch on a few points real quick. First of all, I was just like so tuned in. He was cooking, dude. He came in here just hot. He was ready to just talk. Um, that was awesome. He just totally cemented a couple of things that we talked about. One, context matters mm-hmm. when talking about things. Okay. Yep. The, the interception breakdown, man, I was just like, I was giddy inside, but I was trying to keep like stone face, like, yeah, bro, cook. <laughs> cook. <laughs> but I was like, dude, seriously, some of these people and this is the, the main point that I want to say. You have all these people that talk all this talk, right? And they talk, oh, we're going we're gonna to be rebuilding. Build brick by brick, right? Nobody wants to do the damn work. 
Nobody wants to lay the bricks. Everybody just wants to stand on the roof. Dude, you got if you're gonna talk that talk, you gotta walk that walk, man. A lot of people anybody can talk the talk. Yeah. Not everybody can walk the walk. Okay. This thing was always gonna be brick by brick. We completely are resetting the foundation of this franchise right now. And after last week's game, I feel pretty damn good about how the foundation's coming together. Yeah. That was the main point that I wanted to get out there. But yeah, Mike Crawford, I, I just, dude. I don't understand the hate. Like, I guess I just don't get it. Because I guess we're, you know, kind of like we've been preaching for so long, putting in perspective, being optimistic and stuff. Looking at Jordan Love, like, he's not been the problem. He, could he have made a lot of plays? Yes. Uh, there's things that you're like, come on, man. Like, those layups, um, like, some of those layup throws – you know, that's what I think he needs to get better at. Some of those layup, give me throws. We need to make those, right? And I think Mike hit the nail on the head. There are plays where it's like he's looking for the long, big play for so long that he will take a sack that uh, there's a couple long sacks that he's taken, like, throughout the, the season or whatever. Yeah. That's like, man, you got to get rid of the ball at that point. Like, you have to have an internal clock in your head. But overall, it's like, yeah, for, for the most part, he's protecting the ball. There's three interceptions that you can – you can, yeah, they're obviously on his record. They'll be in his record forever. But if right. you actually go back, instead of just looking at the box score, you understand what happened. Right. Like, so for me, I look at it as more, he's thrown 14 touchdowns, probably seven legitimate interceptions. And he's thrown for 2,000 yards. So he's on pace for 4,000 yards. That'd be the best ever in Chicago Bears history. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you got to look at some of this stuff. Like, we got to put that out there more often. Yeah. <laughs> People are just not putting it in perspective oh. and looking at it as a young team. Our yeah. best wide receiver, I'm going into my what I was going to say during the show. Our best wide receiver on the team right now is arguably a rookie. Like they got to take time to develop. Okay. I'm going to talk about some of the rookies when we get into some of the. I think I'm going to save it to the end unless we want to start with it after the stars. But I have a lot of stuff to say about the rookies. So. We can get into some of this stuff. I think I'll say this in the last thing on having Mike Spofford on is is the way that he talked about shared responsibility. That's that's my biggest thing is that, you know, it's not Jordan Love with um you know a big a big group of uh veteran guys who have, you know, Devontae Adams and he's got Chris Olave who's a rookie with him and he's you know it's he doesn't just have all of these things out here that are all set up perfectly for him and he's the one that's not getting it done. We've seen it come from every place where there is responsibility here, where there's lapses in execution at times, and that includes the coaching staff. So it's it's a shared responsibility. It is a team of 53 players and countless coaches who all have to come together to make things happen. It is not all on one, um, you know, one player, one person, which goes for the people who are mad at Christian Watson too. It's not all on him either. So that's it. Let's rattle off our recap here, starting with our three stars from the Pittsburgh game. Jake has number one. All right. So this is the thickest notebook that I've ever seen. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I put all of the sports in here. So you got that five star, five subject. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is my third one since we have started Wisco Fanatics. Nice. My third notebook, my third big five one. That's why, um, that's why I invested in this bad boy. That's an I investment know, for maybe, sure. But... Maybe one day. Maybe one day. That That's a goal of mine. But, taxes, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I want to maybe. Let's get taxes back. But uh, <laughs> let's get started here. Let's, uh, 
Let's get going on this. All right, so Jordan Love was our first star. Uh, he was 21 of 40, so the completion percentage still wasn't great, but there's a lot of things that go into that. Context matters. I'm not going to say it a million times, but it does. Uh, 289 yards, so close to that first 300-yard game. Uh, 7.2-yard average per pass. Love that. Uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions. We're not counting that last one. That doesn't count. And uh, 72 QBR and a 71.8 rating. So, I mean, pretty good game from Jordan Love. We're going to add some context later when we talk about him specifically in his own segment. So, I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, Bryant is going to cover for Simon this week with the second star. Yeah, pretty easy. Just Jaden Reed, uh, another solid, super solid game. That's who I was saying is arguably the best wide receiver on our team. Um, you know, uh, you know, Dobbs has six touchdowns, but I think Jaden Reed has been more consistent. So he had the five receptions, 84 yards. The touchdown might give us a great breakdown of how Jaden Reed and Love made that play, that 46-yard play towards mm-hmm. the end of the game to even give us a chance. So, yeah, he absolutely earned the second star. All right, so I have the third one. I wanted to mix it up by getting a defensive guy on here, and I I picked TJ Slayton for the third star. He had eight tackles, one quarterback curry. He had five run stops. Um, I think we need to I think we need to give TJ Slayton a little bit more credit this season and and continue to do so for the improvements that he's made from last year. And then Bryant has the underrated performer this week. So I was kicking around two of them. So the one that I decided not to choose, I'll mention his name anyway, was Luke Musgrave. I think he's really coming on as a huge step for this team and he just can you know starting to get better he just he runs so fast he forgets to bring his feet with him sometimes but, uh, <laughs> uh, the person i actually picked is zach tom right so you oh, know like we didn't it. really hear much about Watt all day aside from one mm-hmm. sack and i think that one sack was on a little bit of extended play i, I can't remember exactly yeah. how the sack happened but that yeah. was the only sack that offensive line had all day like yeah like for zach tom to, he's playing outstanding that's a great call i love that actually Good pick. Yeah, that was a very good pick. All right, Bryant, rookie tight ends. Now you can talk about Luke Musgrave. Oh, I thought you had tight ends, Tyler. I, you're right, I do. You have the wide receiver <laughs> development. I'm skipping ahead yes. to my own stuff. Yes, so wide receiver <laughs> development. I'll talk about wide receiver I development. I don't even care what you have to say. I'm, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for my segment. <laughs> so, um, plain and simple, Christian Watson has to, has to be better. Um, he's supposed to be the most explosive weapon on our team, and there seems to be a disconnect between him and Jordan. And Matt LaFleur alluded to it, right? Yeah. And Mike just brought it up again. That that play that ended, uh, resulted in an interception, it was a bad throw by Jordan Love, so I'm not going to – he shouldn't have thrown it. And, you know, that shed a little light when Matt LaFleur came out and said he shouldn't have thrown the ball. But Christian Watson needs to run that – That he can't be running lazy routes, right? So that's unfortunate um, that he ran a lazy route, and that's what it leads to, right? So he Matt LaFleur did say he wants to be – wants you know, Watson to continue to play fast, but he wants them to be more physical. So I expect them to keep going. They, Everyone wants to give up on a second-year wide receiver, and I don't know how, given our history, but uh, give the guy time. You know, there's going to be, spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot of thrown balls this week. Um, some of those are going to go in Watson's, um, direction. you know, direction, and he's going to have a chance to make some plays. Let's see him make some plays. He made plays, everyone was loving him against the Rams when he, you know, jumped up and made that catch, you know. So give him a chance here. He's still young. Uh, he's going from there. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jaden Reed's been our best wide receiver on the year. Uh, yes, you know, yeah, I think it's now seven receptions of over 30 yards in a row, or 30 yards so far on the season. Um, sounds right. Wicks has been really good as well. Um, this last the game, the rookie wide receivers counted for eight receptions, 135 yards, and a touchdown. 
Um, I'm delving into a little bit with Tyler right now, but rookie pass catchers this last game, 13 receptions, 205 yards, and a touchdown. That's rookies. Brian Gutekunst doesn't deserve any credit. Mm. Yeah. If you don't call it one play, I'm going to I'm gonna have to step in on your tight ends, but go ahead for it. You'll probably get it, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. I just want to throw this out there first because – I look up the numbers so that I can tell people what's happening instead of people just blindly complaining about it uh, without actually knowing that the thing they're complaining about is actually the fact of the matter. <laughs> it's Josiah DeGuara's snap count. So Josiah DeGuara is not a rookie tight end, but he's a tight end worth mentioning because he played 22 snaps. Too many. How, many, how many would you guess were on offense if you don't already know the answer? He played 22 snaps. How many were on offense? 14. I'll say six. Four. Oh, five. I knew I was close. He doesn't play that much on offense anymore, dude. He doesn't. And I've been talking about it for like four Fridays in a row. He should be getting off uh, kick blocking, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that was one of his 17 special team snaps. He did make a tackle. Certainly special. So, um, Tucker Kraft played 31 offensive snaps. This is now the fifth straight game that Tucker Kraft has outsnapped Josiah DeGuara. So for people complaining that Josiah DeGuara needs to be playing fewer snaps, he's barely playing at all. I'm at the level where I don't even know why he's on the team anymore, to be honest. I feel well, like we honestly, can... it's the way I look at it is that there's a little bit of toothpaste less in the tube, and yeah. the Packers are going to throw it away when the season's over. They're Damn, just trying man. to squeeze he, the he, last little bit of toothpaste <laughs> out of Josiah DeGuara, and and they're gonna let him walk. Like Josiah DeGuana at the end of the freaking season. <clears throat> yeah. Get it gone, gone. So <laughs> that's that. I didn't mean it as shit though, because Guana said. <laughs> just want to clarify that. I was uh, trying to make a pun on words. <laughs> so mean. Uh, all right. So Luke Musgrave, he played 50 snaps, 74% of the snaps. He had four targets. He caught two of them for 64 yards. And I would say he could have had a third one, um, kind of a little bit of a low throw by Love, and a, and a linebacker made a good play on it to knock the ball out of his hands. That's going to be a situation where, like, going forward as he becomes a veteran, like if Luke Musgrave can make that play, that's going to be some big boy pants stuff that, that puts him in the categories of, of some of the better tight ends in the league. Okay, so go ahead. The call, the play, I gotta, the play I got to call it was Tucker Craft. Go ahead. Head to head with JJ uh, TJ Watt, and I want to say Tucker Craft won that exchange. I don't know if you guys seen that play where he caught it and it was his catch, and he got yeah. it. That was TJ Watt that he went like yeah. he pulled yep. it, up and he it did not get like that. He <laughs> smacked him. Yeah. So like, he fell forward. So good. I'll say more of a break even, but it was a good hit. <laughs> The rookie tight ends, dude, they give me a lot of hope. They're they're improving. They're they're starting to learn the zone defense. They're starting to to learn the footwork in the run game. You could tell that every single game, they're legitimately building brick by brick. And those two are going to be a two headed monster. Like I'm thinking, like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez type shit, dude. Like I'm not even shitting you. Can we change that to some other dynamic duo? I, I mean. <laughs> Listen, man, the off the field stuff of Hernandez the field from the off field. It's it's obviously unfortunate that he acted the way that he did and he did that shit. But dude, yeah, on the field, were. dude, yeah. that guy was a stud. 
Stud. Yeah. Uh, Tucker Craft, 31 snaps, 51% of snaps. His first week playing Whoa. over 50%, so good for him. He's getting more and more snaps. He had two targets. He did have one for six yards that Brian brought up. And then Benny Sims, 10 special team snaps. I don't think they're super heavily invested in him. Honestly, Minnesota is paying for most of his salary this season anyways. So it is what it is. Uh, anything that we get from him is just bonus. On the subject of passing game distribution, eight players were targeted. Love has still yet to have a game where he targets less than seven players. Of eight players targeted, eight players had receptions. Reed was five for five. Wicks was three for four. Dobbs was three for five. Jones was four for five. And unfortunately, Christian Watson was two for seven. That said, the Packers were two for five on contested catches this week. That is better. 40%. I will take 40% on contested catches. And the unfortunate thing is on the season, the Packers are 13 for 51. That's mm. about 25%. I'm getting to the point, though, with Dontavian Wicks. That that is, I know he got five targets, but I'm at the point where he might need some more the way he's been playing. And I'm not mad at it. And, I'm, and I actually really love the idea of hot swapping wide receivers in a lot. Uh, almost college style, and just always having fresh wide receivers. Yeah, like I, I don't want to say Roman Dobbs and start to become a third down slash red zone uh, specialty player, but that's where he seems to thrive in those positions. I think touchdowns this year. Yeah, I, I feel like that kind of goes unnoticed. Dobbs has you know who he kind of reminds me of. You know who he kind of reminds me of? James Jones. James Jones was great on third downs, and he was pretty good in the red zone when he needed him to be. That's what he kind of reminds me of. So like. I don't know if Dontavian Wicks and Reed are going to start to be our between the twenties and hopefully Christian Watson, but and Dobbs in the red zone. But I, th- I really like our mixture. Obviously, we need Watson to take another step forward and these guys right. to continue to develop. But I'm really excited about this wide receiver core. I think if if Watson really buys in to the physicality aspect of football, and like he really buys into being six foot freaking five, he reminds me of a post player that shoots a lot of threes. Get your big ass down low, right? That's what you say in basketball. If Watson buys into being six foot five and being a physical guy, he could absolutely become a problem. And this offense then takes that next step, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, with Love's development, I was going to say this later, but I'm going to say it right now just because what you said reminded me of what I was going to say. I think that we're going to get to a point where Jordan Love, where he's just going to pick a guy that's absolutely destroying a DB in a game, and that's just going to be his guy. Could be Dubs. Could be Reed, could be Wicks, could be Musgrave. It could be any of them. They all have that potential, but I think Love is going to get to that point pretty soon. He's so close. So close. That's, that's why I keep bringing up the fact that he hasn't targeted fewer than seven wide receivers in a game or seven yeah. receivers in a game yeah. because I still am seeing it. Packers fans, please get with me on this. Drop the wide receiver one. Drop it out of your mind. Please. Get rid of the depth chart mentality when it comes to wide receivers. Please. How many years did people spend complaining that Aaron Rodgers only targeted Devontae Adams? Drop (laughs) the wide receiver one mentality. We want to have four guys who on any given week, any given play could be a wide receiver one. We want to rule out the the defense's ability to hone in on one guy and be like, if we stop them, their offense is fucked because that's the only guy he looks at. What if we have five of those guys? Agreed. Then, what does the defense look at? They're like, shit, 
I don't know who to stop because he throws to all of them and they all can get 30-yard receptions on any given play. Yep. The one thing I want to say real quick, because it popped into my mind, I know we're going a little long here, but for Watson, I want us, I don't feel like we're getting him the ball in space. It's either he's running an out route and getting the ball and immediately having to go out of bounds, or he's just on a fly or something that we haven't connected on. I don't know why we haven't seen more slants or slash drag routes with him, getting him open into the middle of the field with some room to run. So I'm hoping we can start to see those because we've seen what he can do with those. Or the end of rounds. Why yeah. can't we run an end of round with him? Because or he ran one and it didn't work, and now they throw it out the thing, but they'll continue to pitch it outside five times a game and lose yep. three years. Yep, I agree. So, I was thinking about the end of rounds, dude. I was like, dude, why not just run one with him every once in a while? Yeah. Let him get the ball. Let him use his speed. Open open up the fucking gauges, dude. Yeah. Just let him go. I will say on a little bit of it with the middle of the field, and I only can only use one play to bring this up with, is they did have one target to him in the middle of the field. He made a diving catch. Love had to throw into a super tight window. Dude, yeah. great throw. Yeah. And that's that's like just the thing where it's like then you have to kind of question what the separation looks and like. I guess he did have the bad drop in the middle of the field, but the guy was right on him. But, yeah, like some drag routes or something, like run some natural picks or yeah. something and get this guy just a yard of space. Maybe when I'm bored this offseason, I'll actually watch like all of the all 22 games and just see what his separation looks like on on plays that aren't just deep, you know, deep flies down the field or quick outs. Right. Okay. Last thing I want to say on the passing game distribution, <clears throat> the Packers put up 93 yards after the catch. So for the handful yeah. of people that I've seen saying that love doesn't give guys the ability to catch and run, you're wrong. Great. You're literally just wrong. So, on that, um, Simon is off this week. So, Brian, what do you have to say about the O-line? Um, keep the short and Anytime you give up, uh, uh, you can leave a game against Watt, giving up one sack the entire game, and then averaging 4.8 yards per carry, I, th- I would say you did your job. Um, I was kind of surprised. I don't know why we only ran the ball 22 times um, and threw the ball 40. And, and this was one of those weird, rare games that maybe Dylan should have had more carries than Jones because – Dylan was cooking. I know he broke off the big one, but Jones was not effect- that effective. I know, Jake. Don't look at me like that. But Jones, I was had, people this week, Jones, dude. Jones, had, <laughs> Jones had a bad game, though, too. Like, yeah, he made like, yeah. a couple boneheaded plays. I'm like, Jones, he come did. on, man. But either way, even if you give the ball to more Jones, like, we've seen Dylan break one. You're telling me that if that's Aaron Jones running that ball right there, if he had that's that hole, it's a touchdown. Yep. So give him yep. the ball I more. I said time. that. Yeah. 100%. Unless he gets horse collared, then Josh McDaniels is on his couch going, "Good fucking play!" Yeah, he deserves to get fired on Halloween. <laughs> no, yeah, dude, <laughs> writing was on the wall there. Yeah, you and your fat head. All right, um, how did that translate to the running game? I mean, you kind of just tied that together. I mean, is there anything else you want to say on the running yeah, game? Something? No, not really. I mean, I just wish we would have had more attempts. I, I feel like I don't, there'll be something I want to say about the defense later, but. Um, I feel like as soon as we're down, we're just throw, 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 throw. We don't need to be like that. Not against Pittsburgh. Against the Chargers, throw, 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 throw. Because we ain't catching up otherwise. Against Pittsburgh, run the ball still. Yeah. All right, Jake, you can talk about the red zone offense. I'm going to say what I have to refute you later on. Spoiler alert. (laughs) To refute me? Yes. What did I say wrong? Nothing yet. (laughs) He just knows you're. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so the first red zone trip was a, was part of a 10-play, 69-yard drive. Nice. Uh, 519 was the drive link. So th- that's just a big boy drive. That's an NFL yeah. offensive drive like that was the response after they came out and punched us in the mouth right away in the game so i was just like nice uh second and four from the 16 dylan for five they handed it off after the new set of downs from the 11 dylan for three uh love tried to hit watson uh incomplete and then a third and seven at the eight yard line love drops it in the bucket to romeo dobbs great catch by dobbs too as well, by Damn. the way uh keeping the feet in good body control just fantastic stuff um uh, the next touchdown we had, we were not in the red zone because Jordan Love decided to just turn into a bomb specialist on last Sunday and uh, hit Jaden Reed for uh, – honestly, that was the throw where I was like, all right, baby, we're here. We're here now. Uh, we back up. You know, that's, that's my favorite <laughs> yeah. <one>. Um <laughs> So then the next one, uh, we were at the 14-yard line, Jones for one yard, and then Jones for no gain. And then we were at a third and nine at the 13-yard line, and Love tried to force one to Musgrave, and that was where Musgrave got popped. Uh, in my opinion, that pass could have maybe been a little bit higher, but that's nitpicking at that point, honestly. Uh, that would have been a tough catch no matter where the goddamn ball is. Uh, he got absolutely leveled. Uh, we settled for a field goal, so that was the opening drive of the second half. It is what it is. We got points. I'm happy with it. Uh, the next one was a nine-play, 68-yard drive. Took four minutes. This drive uh, – this red zone trip was set up by a really, really good pass of Luke Musgrave. Uh, if Luke Musgrave doesn't have two left feet or two right feet, doesn't matter which one you pick, it trips over his own feet. He's Somebody said that he has a deer feet, zone. and I can't unsee it. Ba- baby, <laughs> new baby born deer feet, yeah. <laughs> Just like, what is happening? Um, first play from the 15-yard line, Love hits Reed for six yards. Second and fourth and nine, we tried to hand it over off to Jones, minus one, so we're at the 10-yard line. Third and five at the 10-yard line. Love tried to throw to Musgrave. Another incomplete pass. Settled for another field goal. Then we get to the third one. This one was set up by a 32-yarder to Dontavian Wicks. Another good throw and a fantastic Mm -hmm. route, in my opinion, by Dontavian Wicks. He showed very good patience on this route uh, to settle down in the zone. We had first and 10 at the 15. Jones for one yard. yard. And then we had second and nine at the 14. And this is where Love... Tried to force the ball to Watson a little bit, and it was like, Mm-mm. in my opinion, 
if that ball was thrown like the Romeo Dubs pass just to the opposite corner, I think Watson has a better chance at it. But on the other end of the spectrum, this is where I talk about Watson needing to buy into the physical receiver kind of mindset. Go and get the damn ball. And ah, I don't want to, like, rip on either guy, but both guys are at fault for this one, in my opinion. I don't think it's either one. Both are my fault. And I think they both will tell you that. The last drive, I'm not even going to talk about the interception, okay? And I don't want to hear no bullshit about it. I'm, like, really done with that conversation. But I'm just going to say this. Love made some big boy throws. Jaden Reed made a big boy play on that on that first pass that really set us up. Everybody played fantastic. The offensive line was blocking good. The only thing I would say was bad was Aaron Jones on that last drive. He was, if dare yeah. I say, god awful on that last drive. Just get out of bounds, man. You're supposed to be the leader on this team. Everybody looks to you for guidance, and you're still a tremendous person and tremendous teammate, but you got to get out of bounds on that. Uh, that gives us another shot. So uh, other than that, man, I mean, I'm not upset. I think the red zone offense is something that needs to improve, but I think it's okay. All right. So on the third down offense, I'm just going to keep this short and sweet. Six third downs in the first half, um, 10 third downs in the second half, and one fourth down. So the Packers were 8 of 16 overall on third down, which is fantastic. Yep. The <clears throat> 4 of 6 in the first half, 6.5 yard average distance, which isn't a terrible. Um, and then they were 4 of 10 in the second half, and then they were 1 for 1 in the fourth down in the second half. Um and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the third downs uh, when I talk about the offense for the preview part of it. But that's essentially where I'm at with the third downs. Um, Bryant, how did special teams do? Not good. Um, this going to be a little bit of rant, but I'm kind of over it, to be honest. I'm over people saying Rich Passaccia should be a head coach. And maybe that's a little too much, but this unit is poorly coached. Are they poorly execute? Something is going on. Um, I get players have to execute, but there's something going on, okay? So Carlson nearly kicked it out of bounds in the first to start the game, and then he turns around and does kick it out of bounds. Um, the block kick was a joke, uh, just miserable execution. Um, I think, if I remember right, Matt LaFleur said they seen something on tape with it, and then it just didn't get executed. So maybe that that's good to coaching because they seen something, but then it didn't get you know executed. Um, I guess the one bright spot would be – uh, Nixon had another long return. I think he's on the verge of breaking one, but just something going on with the special teams. Like we can't, we are not a good enough team right now, or we're too young and to where we can make these kinds of mistakes on special teams and win games. Yep. Like it's it's not good enough. Well, so we've had the all many, all many penalties have. throughout the weeks on special teams too. Oh which yeah, I didn't even count. I didn't think was a big deal this week, but it's something that's happened throughout the season a lot. Exactly. Like one of the most, it's got to be one of the most special, special uh, penalized special team units. Um, and that's discipline. I don't, sure. you know, I don't care. I know people are young, that's still discipline. But for me, it's just like, you know, missed kicks are going to happen, but blocks that egregious should not happen. Like just things like that. So, Packers, like, oh God, I'm exhausted with it, to be honest. Packers have 15 special teams penalties. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. It's like, oh man, not just the players. There's, there's some discipline issues going on. Yeah. Oh man, that's. Oh, that's gross. If for what out of ungodly reason Matt LaFleur gets fired, which I don't think he should, I, I would be very upset if they named Rich Passaccia. Maybe, you know what, maybe he's an excellent head coach. But to me, 
his special teams unit for all the people that they all talk about and hammering about bringing in for special teams aces and all this stuff. They have not been nearly good enough. And I get there's injuries, but at some point, people, someone needs to step up or be coached better. Yeah. Tyler Davis tearing his ACL ruined our season. Yeah. <laughs> out. All right. Real quick on the secondary, I'm going to tie this in. Um, so, Jake, I'm going to jump you for rushing defense because I want to tie the tackling in, and then I want to let you talk about the rushing defense, and then I want to add a couple things in on the rushing defense as well. So I'm going to start with uh, Rudy Ford was the leading tackler. He did have – I'll save that. Rudy Ford was the leading tackler. Jonathan Owens, not bad. Uh, um, Ballantine did have two passes defense. He was okay overall. Uh, he was targeted seven times, was the most. Gave up four receptions for only 37 yards. So overall, secondary, not terrible in the passing defense game. However, I mentioned when Spofford was on that the Packers had 16 missed tackles. Nine of them came from the secondary. Yeah. Which is which is rough. Yeah. Now, Jake, to tie this into the rushing defense, 119 yards after contact. That's over 50% of their total. So, Jake, talk about the rushing defense, and then I just want to throw one thing out there as far as the defense is concerned. I'm going to keep this short. I wrote down a lot of numbers. I had a lot of shit to say. I'm just going to keep this real short. The rushing defense was fucking garbage, straight up. Like, I'm not even going to mince words. Like, it was garbage. The thing that makes me mad about Barry, I don't give a shit what LaFleur says. I really don't. Don't try to tell me that these outside linebackers are DNs. I understand what you're trying to say because we have big outside linebackers. I'm not fucking buying that. We need to put more bodies in the box. When you look at the box, you see two linemen and you see two inside linebackers. That's the box, Matt. You can't just make the box a rectangle, dude. That pissed me off when he said that. Dude, <laughs> I don't like the alignments they run in short yardage situations. Why are we running Why are we running Kenny in a three-tech? You know how easy that is to double-team him in a three-technique? Look at the red zone run that that uh, Harris had. Go look at that, and you tell me how easy it is to double team these guys in the red zone. That's the shit that pisses me off. That's, that's enough of that. This week, Austin Eckler might run for 200 yards by himself if we keep running this damn same defense. But that's all I gotta say on that. That shit is getting annoying to me. I want to throw this out on the other side of the coin. Is Regardless of how you feel about the scheme, I just want to see Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden get more snaps. Yeah. Um, but let me say this. So out of the 205 yards, 77 of them came on the first two drives. That's 37.5% of their rushing production on 20% of their possessions. I'll give you that if the other there still wasn't 140 yards remaining for the rest of the game because 140 yards in a game would still put us in the bottom right. third of the league. But here's, here's where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going with this. So the Steelers had 10 possessions. They scored two touchdowns on the first two drives. Yep. After that, the next eight possessions, three field goals, five punts. So that's a scenario where I'm okay with giving up the yards because they're not giving up the points. If they had given up field goals on those first two drives, then you're looking at, what, eight less points in the game and the Packers win. I will say obviously, I mean it's it's a little unrealistic to expect to hold a team to five field goals and five punts. But I'm just saying. I'll I'll say this one thing just to kind of counteract what you're saying is 
I understand what you're saying. They're not getting the points. They're still running precious time off the clock with those rush yards. Right, and that's the thing where the Packers don't have the the firepower on the offense necessarily yep. put together yet to yep. to score quickly often. Agreed. Yeah, and that's just a thing where it's as they mature, it's something that we see the potential for it to come together. Yeah, it, it'll get there. I think it will. Right. So, Jake, uh, defensive line slash pass rush. <sighs> pass rush. What the hell is a pass rush? <laughs> Man, Bryant, I know you felt the same way. I was screaming at my TV. I was like, well, why do you just get home? I felt like I was part of that Adam Sandler movie. You're too good for your home? <laughs> Go home. <laughs> um, we had one stack, Preston Smith. We had one hit. It was Campbell. Uh, we had eight hurries. Clark had three of them. Smith had one. Slayton, Ford, Gary, and Wyatt. They all had one as well. Um in terms of the D-line, I wrote down Clark, Slate, and Wyatt, and Wooden. Um, and I went from the rush defense perspective because that was kind of the big thing this week. Uh, Clark had 27 run D snaps. He had three tackles. He had two missed tackles. And his average depth of tackle was two yards. So that's not horrible. Uh, the two misses is horrible. But the average depth of tackle is not horrible. He, uh, I I don't want to dog Kenny Clark, but he was in the wrong spot on a lot of plays. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, Slayton. Our third star, uh, he also had 27 run D snaps. He had seven tackles. His average depth of tackle was 2.6, so not horrible. He's the guy right. right in the middle, so he's a little beat up. <laughs> uh, Wyatt had 14. He had one tackle. He had two assists. His average depth of tackle was one. And Wooden only had five run D snaps, and he had zero tackles. So, I mean, in terms he of – He needs more than line, 10 snaps, my guy. My guy, Colby Wooden, needs more than 10 snaps. Yeah. Um, in terms of the run defense, I would say that Clark and Slayton, if they're going to be the guys that are going to be in on the run defense, since we're playing two down linemen, we're not playing four, like Matt LaFleur said, they need to play better. Plain and simple. Is what it is. I agree with I don't you. understand. He's not happy with Kenny lately. I haven't, I haven't looked much into it either, but I don't understand what we're doing with Lucas Van Ness. I feel like the only time he's making plays is when he clean, he's cleaning up behind somebody else that held somebody else behind the line of scrimmage or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. He, he played horrible. He had 11 – uh, defensive run snaps, and he had two missed tackles in those 11. Yeah. So that's, he's not. Uh, they need to change the scheme and get some of these. We have too much talent for these guys. I'm sorry, Joe Barry needs to go. Like, not that yeah. during this year, but we need to do something different. I have like, always been jealous of the Baltimore Ravens fans because of their defense. They just play such an aggressive brand of defense. And I'll never forget this as a kid watching a Ravens game. I think they were, they might have been playing the Steelers, actually, because that was a big rivalry. It was like a Sunday night game. They legitimately put like eight guys on the left side of the offensive line and just said, good fucking luck. Pick one. And it was I'm, like, dude, I want that in Green Bay. Something different now. I'm sick of I'm sick of hearing that they were the fit more physical team. Like when was last? I feel like we never say that about Green Bay. And I know we have some dogs on that side. Lucas Van Ness is a monster. Preston Smith is a big dude. Gary Gary wrecks people. Clark, too. But it's like we're just playing passive and soft, and I don't understand it. What did I just talk about on Wednesday, Tyler? What did I just freaking talk about, dude? I want to be in a scenario where I want to see our secondary healthy so that we yeah. can trust it. That's fair. Like, And I get that Kenny Pickett is a guy where you like you maybe, maybe just trust it anyways. But it, 
we need Jair on the field so that we can put an extra guy in the box. Yeah. I'm excited to get Quay back this week. Oh my yeah. fucking god, I missed Quay so badly last week when I saw the missed tackles. I, I put it in the chat with all of us. I'm like, I miss Quay Walker. And Rudy yeah. Ford is the one we're missing more than people realize too. Well, yeah. he had he had three missed tackles last week too, but that's neither here nor there. Oh wait, he did play last week. Maybe he's he still not he's doubtful this week though. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, um, Bryant, how did the Packers do on the red zone defense? I mean, they gave touchdowns in two of the three red zone. So not great, but overall they played well between the tackles. But what I, I heard the stat earlier, and I knew it was high, but it, why does it seem the Packers took the lead, and in five plays, five plays, we were down again. I, I can't remember who said it, but I think it's now five times in the, this this season we've taken the lead and the opposing team scored on the next drive. Where's the complimentary defense? Like We're complaining about the def- or the offense. They gave us the lead again, and in five plays, because it was one big play, three plays and a field goal, we're losing again. Yeah. And I think I want to say it was five times now this year that that's happened, that the, the team we scored and the team immediately turned around and scored again. So, yeah, red zone defense was fine. I mean, not great, it's 66%, right? But they were only in the red zone three times. But when when you're giving up the lead every time you take it, you get, turn around and give it back up. I feel like I'm watching the Twins in baseball. Like, yeah. <laughs> so there's no motivation in the field. I don't think it's an issue of motivation. I think it's more an issue of execution, honestly. Yeah. Obviously, there's we've, we've talked about it, that the responsibility is shared among everybody. This is probably a question better served for the offseason, but just thinking about it, the way that we're talking about it right now and what you guys are wanting for, for a defense, what do you guys think about bringing in potentially a college defensive coordinator that doesn't have any NFL experience that would basically bring a, a brand of defense that the NFL doesn't use in, in the best interest of making things different. Would you really be willing to go that radically different? I think now this team has talent, obviously eight first round picks on defense. A lot of them, you know, in and out of the lineup and stuff, whatever. I think this team needs a guy that's either, Old school and going to get them back to the principles of playing football because hearing that stuff about freaking Savage, I remember hearing that last year that he was freelancing. That shit pisses me off. means they don't respect Barry. Or they need a high-energy guy. So if you're bringing a guy in from college, he's got some new ideas, and he's high-energy, he's in your face, he's a little bit closer to their age, that might be a thing that could matter. I'm okay with it. Barry said bring me Coach Prime in as D.C. Just kidding. No, not as D.C. Offensive coordinator maybe, not defense. Coach Prime? Like Deion Sanders. Yeah, dude, why wouldn't he be a DC? Why would he be an OC? Because the played... Colorado's defense has struggled us that yeah, but he played corner, I get that he played it, but his team's leaving better than I want to go like to one of these defenses that are just that have been stout for a long time that just shut yeah. like who who's like the Washington's like defensive coordinator? That defense seems just stout every year. Or like Georgia, you know what I mean? Something like that. I don't I don't know these guys. I haven't watched a yeah, lot of that's why I said maybe this is a better question for the offseason, but I just just on the on the uh the hypothetical. I was mad I was very upset this year that this last year that we kept Barry and then Flores was chilling out there. Like I think I, I talked about several times in the chat, like I cannot believe we wouldn't bring Brian Flores in as a DC. It was yeah. just mind boggling to me. Look at Minnesota's defense too. They're balling yeah. out. They're overperforming. 
Hell yeah, they are. Flores is a great coordinator. I would have loved that signing, dude. Oh. People, a lot of people poo-poo on coaching sometimes, or I don't know why. Look at look at what Mike Tomlin is doing with the Steelers. That team has no business being six and three, and they are six and three. Oh, that's what you get when you have Mike Tomlin. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He's top five. Easy. Oh yeah, easy. I would trade two first round draft picks for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about two first rounders. I would in Harvey. I would. I'll give him a first and our extra second. <laughs> I was thinking the Jets pick too. <laughs> All right. Still gonna be a high pick. Uh, Jake, third down defense. All right. I'll keep this short too because this shoot really isn't that bad. Um, so the first, so I obviously I break it down all the time as third and three and shorter, third, four, and six, the third mediums, and third and seven and longer. So the third and like manageables that you should be able to control as a defense, right? So overall, they went four of thirteen. They went one of one on fourth down. Uh, the one fourth down they picked up, Warren ran for eight yards, uh, got to the GB thirty-two that set up a field goal. Um, the first third, the first third and short that they had, they didn't pick it up, but they did pick it up because of a penalty that led to their first touchdown. They only had one third down on that drive. That was so a fucking trash penalty too. That sucks. That was weak. Uh, they picked up three consecutive third downs. Third and threes are shorter. Um, all in their second drive that also led to a touchdown. So this is going to be absolutely insane. But after that, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row third downs that they did not pick up. Guess what? They didn't fucking score. Pretty crazy how that works, right? Then the, the fourth down that they picked up was the next drive after they didn't pick up all those third downs. They got a field goal out of it, obviously. And then... The last third down that they picked up was a third and six. Uh, there was 232 left in the fourth. Uh, that was when Pickett scrambled out to the outside, and I was uh, ready to crack my TV in half because I was like, are you fucking serious? We had the goddamn game. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, just got to be a little bit more consistent, and it's those – it's the timing of the third downs as well, not just the amount and the percentages. And this is kind of where the context comes in, but, like, that last third down that they picked up with Pickett was just like that was the kind of thing I was I was worried about was him kind of scrambling out and picking up third downs and extending drives when he has no business doing was, that because he's not an NFL quarterback. It was the difference of having the two minute warning, yep, uh, and like two minutes and fifteen seconds versus having fifty nine seconds. Yeah, that was a big ass play, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> On the subject of coaching, we talked about it with Mike Spofford. The only other thing I want to say uh, <clears throat> at the time of possession, it was almost dead even. So I really don't have any complaints there. Obviously, I would prefer the Packers win the time of possession, but if it's even, I'm not really going to complain about it. Jordan Love. We talked about that a lot with Mike Spofford as well. The last thing that I want to say is we didn't bring this up on the interception at the end of the game is you guys kind of touched on it like, well, what would you rather do, have him take a sack or throw an incompletion? My thing was, and this was, again, just people on the internet who are really only trying to say things that fit their narrative, is, well, why doesn't Jordan Love just run and scramble around? And the thing is, like, sure, that's a great idea in theory, but the longer that Jordan Love runs around, the greater the chance that there's a sack or a penalty. So, yeah, it's a you know, oh, great, just have Jordan Love just run around in circles for – like six days and I'm sure somebody will be open eventually scramble drill. Like the odds of the penalty, like the longer you hold the ball go up and up and up and up and up and up. 
and one of the guys chasing Jordan Love around is TJ Watt. So he's he's there. And if you yeah. listen to Matt LaFleur, that was a timing play. The DB just didn't break like they expected to because you had seven of them. But they literally practiced that play to throw it right when he breaks to hopefully catch it and fall into the end zone. He was talking about it. He said Three that seconds to work with. The DB made a good play and just didn't break and follow the other person. Yeah. What do you want him to do? You're playing five on seven. Then, like I said, this dude on Twitter was like, well, I would have drawn this play. You know, they could have drawn up a play to get him open. And I'm like, please draw this play. Please draw me this miracle play where you run five on seven and get a guy open. He's like, well, you could line up trips on one side. I'm like, they're on the 16-yard line. Yeah, you can run trips to try to get a guy, you know, to, to rub open, except all of the DBs are on the end zone line. They're not lined up on the line of scrimmage where you can get them to run into each other. They're literally waiting for you at the goal line. <laughs> really? the, only thing, the only other thing I could think you could do is line them all five up, the wide receivers on that side. I don't know. That's probably not legal. But our, right. have the runs run over and throw a screen to like the eight yard line and just hope that you get a block and run it in. And then you're still five on seven. That means four on, you have three people on block. So you better make a play. Right. Well, the, the only thing that I maybe would have done is just make sure that Watson and Musgrave are in the same area, have oh, no. Reed come underneath and just throw it up. But that's yeah. the only, only, only seven answer you would say. Under it. Yep. Otherwise I think love did the right thing. Call yep. Hank, try to get it to him, see if Watson can get the place sneak in. Yep. Nothing totally wrong agree. with that at all. Barry said so many negative Packer fans out there, you have to be positive. And it's it's not even that we're trying to force people to be positive. It's really we just want to just acknowledge the other perspective. with Optimism, because honestly, we believe so strongly in this that it it, it affects your life. It really does. Man. Like you can't tell me that if you're a, a negative fan that losing doesn't have a negative impact, at least on the rest of your day. Dude, it used to ruin my, like, first half of weeks. Man. And now I'm like, now, don't get me wrong, we get to Super Bowl and we lose, I'm probably taking a couple days off and <laughs> sitting in my basement. But, <laughs> like. Yeah, just crying. I get it. But, I mean, even, even still, I mean, you can just, just shift the perspective and be like, we're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. 30 teams don't do that every year. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say on the Steelers game? Beat the dead horse. I'll just say he was better on the deep ball. Uh, throws 20 to 30 yards down the field. He was 5 for 7, 145 yards and a touchdown. So that's awesome stuff. Hey, I talked about it in the primer. I talked about the deep ball was the only thing that Love needed to work on. Also, the medium passes. He was 5 of 10 for 97 yards, had a touchdown. Um, He's been gone, those. It's the layups for me. Uh, he did have two interceptions though. One of them was the end gamer, and the other one obviously was the, yeah. you know, the other one. He, he kind of forced the Watson. But other than that, man, I mean, that's great. I mean, ten out of seventeen is pretty fucking good on the on you know, fifteen to thirty yard passes. That's pretty fucking good. Dude, that deep intermediate. I'm telling you, the the medium deep or the deep mediums. What I was getting all tongue tied on last week, the deep medium passes. Dimes, just dimes all day. Yeah, he had some um, good ones. Barry said, that's why you guys are the only show I watch. Well, I appreciate that, Barry. Uh, okay, so let's move into preview. Bryant, what are you looking for from the Packers offense against the Chargers? All right, so this is what I wrote. So, um, can this offense create enough explosive plays to keep up with the Chargers? Uh, Char- Chargers defense is not good. Uh, they are fact, it's good on paper. Yeah, I, this is I, kind of, I just want to throw it out here on live, you know, like on a recording. 
put it in perspective a little more, Packers fans, would you Chargers fans, a few that they have, they should be a lot more upset than we are. This team has so much talent, one of a top five quarterback in the league, and they're still four and five. All right. But anyways, back to what I was saying is they have good players, but they just don't play well together. Um I did put almost like the Packers, like it's like we got to play better. But I just well, want to see are young. Theirs are veterans. Yeah, I just want to see love to continue to rip it and uh, keep trying to make those plays on field. The Chargers are giving up 393 yards a game. Uh, 290 of those oh. are 291 of those are through the air. They're giving up 291 passing yards a oh. game in the air. That's the worst in the league. Uh, yep. We have to be able to move the ball against this team. Uh, I want to. See- I know we want to see the running back take over the game because we are young and that's probably the best way we will succeed. But I think this is a game where you're just come out firing. Um, they're giving up 8.1 yards per completion um, and a completion percentage of 68%. So, I mean, they've oh, raised it up by a percent this week. Yeah. It's like, yeah, right. The one thing they do well is rush the passer. We do have to watch out for Bosa, Bosa and Mac, but yep. uh, this game, come off like just come off firing. Like let's let's yep. let's turn it into a good old fashioned shootout here. Or try to. I would love a Jordan Love Justin Herbert twenty twenty draft class shootout. <laughs> I'm glad you brought All that right. up. I was thinking to talk about that too. <laughs> All right, Jake, what are you looking for from the offense? Um, so you know, hey. That a boy, Barry. You're a little ahead of us, though. Um, <laughs> see, I wrote 47 to 50, so you're you're in the range. I'm in the range. Um, total, they go up 393, like Brian said. That's 31st. 32nd in pass. They're 11th against the rush. They gave up 102. They gave up 200 rush yards last week to the Lions. Lions have a really good offensive line, though. Yep. And they're 24th in points per game. They give up 23.9 points per game. So what I'm looking for is the Packers to mix up the play calling. Tyler, to your credit, you called it as well. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur did a really good job last week of mixing the run with the pass, uh, working in the play action, the intermediate, the deep shots. I think that uh, you just continue with the same game plan. Uh, run, pass, short, long. I'm not expecting Aaron Jones to be bad like he was last week. I'm expecting Aaron Jones to be much better this week. So yep. uh, still get him the ball. I would still like to get him 15, 20 touch- touches. Uh, he's going to score a touchdown this week. That's not one of my Simon says, but I'm just going to say he's going to score a touchdown this week. And uh, you just keep going. Uh, in terms of the Chargers defense, I just want to put this out there real quick. The first half, they give up 12.8 points per game in the first halves. In the second half, they give up 10, 10.8 points per game in the second half. So they're just, like, bad in both halves. On the road, they're a little bit better, actually. They give up 11.8 points per game on the road in the first half and 9.5 in the second half. They honestly so, probably have more fans on the road than they do at home. Well, you know, apparently that one lady who was just like a super fan, she – I'm really hoping she's there and they show her on the big new Jumbotron that's Atlanta. Well, did, you, did you see, though, that the Chargers returned some of their tickets because they couldn't sell them? Shut up. Yeah, they returned them to Green Bay this last week. They could not sell their tickets. So they returned them to Green Bay and Green Bay sold them. Well, that's I feel bad for baby. LA doesn't deserve a football team, team, let alone two. So I feel really bad for the Chargers. <clears throat> they never have a home game, bro. Every team they play well, is at fifty percent. Look yeah. at the Rams when they play the 49ers. That is a 49ers home game, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. It, it is. The whole stadium's red. Except yeah. the sidelines, say Rams House. San Diego said Ramley. The hell is Ramley, dude? The dumbest tagline of all time. Uh, the Chargers did it last year or whatever. Like 
it'd be nice to have a home game because they don't have home games. Man, poor Justin Herbert. That guy's got to go. He's not, he's playing for a poverty franchise. Man, and the thing is, their roster is loaded on paper. Dude, Keenan Allen, please come to Green Bay. Love that guy. Love. Uh, man, I mean, Mike Williams. Unfortunate for him, he can't say healthy, but like, and they drafted Quentin Johnson. Like, man, they're, they're Austin Eckler. Like, they're it's getting totally. some stuff from their tight ends. I wouldn't say they have good tight ends, but I mean, man, Jared Edwards loaded on paper. Obviously, Bosa, Mac, Derwin James. That the roster's loaded on paper. There's yeah, no I'll take Derwin James. When you have to go to silent count in your own stadium. Like, I just feel bad for the team. Like, I don't know why they moved him to LA. It's just sad. Yeah. All right, so my big thing for the Packers' offense is third down. That's that's my thing that's that I talk about on offense. It's the thing that I come back to on this is the Packers are actually meeting the goal that I set for them this year, which was 40% on third downs. They were at 39.5% last season. So if there's one thing you want to look at that Jordan Love has brought to the Packers' offense better than they were last year, it's third downs. Yeah. So they're at 42.74% conversions on third downs. They are in the top half of the league which was my other goal. Mm-hmm. So they're at number eight. And here's the thing. The Chargers defense is number three in the NFL in third down conversions on defense. They are. So the Packers, one of the things that they've done successfully is third downs. One of the things the Chargers do good on defense is third downs. So that's really my main thing that I'm paying attention to, actually on both sides of the ball, because the Packers are number eight in third down conversions on offense. Chargers are number nine. They are. So – Right there. Um, and as far as the defense is concerned, every single thing that I would want to say about the defense, it comes down to the tackling. I cannot see another 16 missed tackles in the stat sheet when I look it up on the game on Monday or Tuesday. I cannot see a 16. I don't want to see two digits. Can't. Can't do it. That's one thing that's going to make my heart weak. I looked at I saw the 16. I was shook for five minutes that I had to look at that, that I was like, there's no way. There's no way that that's a real number. 16 missed tackles, that needs to be cut in half at least. So, Bryant, what are you looking for from the Packers defense against the Chargers? I mean, the Chargers have – surprisingly, I was surprised to see them. They're like kind of mid-tier, but I know this team is – Super explosive. I'm one of the most explosive, consistent players in the NFL in Austin Eckler. Uh, Keenan Allen's going to – will shred us apart if we play him in man coverage. So we better play something. We better disguise our coverage as well against this guy because he's an excellent route runner. Um, they have a lot – the ability to put up a lot of points quickly. Uh, Herbert, 18 touchdowns on the season, only five interceptions. He only sacked about two times a game, so they're not getting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, really, so we're just going to have to – this defense, the one area – I'm hoping, you know, we've been decent in the red zone all year. I think we're still below 50% even after the not great game against Pittsburgh. If we can force them to kick some field goals, we'll have a chance to keep up, I think. But we cannot let them get out to a fast start um, or and not match that energy on offense, I should say. But the offense, I'm hoping they can force a few, few field goals, essentially. Yeah, that's fair. Um, looking at the red zone percentage, Packers are number 10. And hey, stay away from the red zone, okay? I'm going to talk about it. All right, go ahead. I just wanted to look it up because Bryant wasn't sure. I was just I'm talking about red zone out. defense. You have red zone offense, don't you? <laughs> just trying to help a brother out. All right, Jake, what are you looking <laughs> for from the defense? Uh, for me, 
we got to just – the pass rush has to show up, like plain and simple. You guys remember this guy? His name's Clay Matthews. Uh, just recently heard news that he's going to be inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame next year. You never had a question that guy's effort. I'll tell you that right now. Every time that guy strapped up, I mean, he was literally doing like Superman jumps at Colin Kaepernick. I will never forget that. That was amazing. That made me love Clay. The Packers defense has to be 100% every snap because Herbert is a stud. Does not matter what field he's playing on, grass, turf, outside, inside, doesn't give a shit. That guy can sling that shit. He's got Keenan Allen, okay? He's got Austin Eckler, all right? We have to get after Justin Herbert, make him uncomfortable. He's still recovering from an injury. Just ask my fantasy football team. But uh, yeah. other than that, uh, let's just get after Herbert. They're really good on offense, by the way, except rushing the ball. But, uh, yeah, they're good on offense. So one thing you guys haven't brought up, and I'm shocked that you haven't brought up, is that the Chargers have a really good offense. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. Bryant, what's the matchup that you're watching? Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell against Austin Eckler in the passing game. Okay. Um, and running game, you know, both. Like, if we can slow down, they have two really big weapons. If we can slow down Austin Eckler and just kind of, and like, let at Keenan Allen will probably eat. But if we can slow down Austin Eckler, I think a lot flows through them. He has to have a good game to keep them rolling. Um, for the most part, like I said, they're so good that they're going to score either way. But I'm just hoping we can slow down Austin Eckler a little bit. Uh, but if he goes for over 200 total yards this game, I will not be surprised. Um, Jake Barry said he still has all of his quick trip cups too. Um, Jake, what's the matchup that you're watching? I'm all, I'm watching Austin Eckler versus Packers defense, and I wanted I wanted to talk about tackling, but I know you're going to hit on that a little bit more. But the last two I'm weeks, I'm talking about tackling for now. I think I've hammered on it enough. Okay, um, the last two weeks, Eckler has had 33 carries, 114 rush yards, three touchdowns, six catches, 14 targets, and 71 yards. He's had catches of 24 and 17 yards he's had rushes of 17 and 20 yards the guy can make big plays running the ball or catching the ball he's one of the best dual threats in the league he touches the ball a lot he gets the ball thrown at him a lot point blank period stop austin eckler people the way people talk about aaron jones that's austin eckler for them yeah slow him down yeah uh I have one for the Packers offense against the Chargers defense, actually. I went with the Packers offensive line versus the Chargers pass rush. Can the Packers go two weeks in a row of holding elite pass rushers to not a lot of sacks? They have three dogs. Uh, that Ford guy, Mack, and Bosa. This is going to be a challenge. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they can do it, I think that actually gives the Packers a chance. I like it. All right. Bryant, what is your X Factor? Uh, Luke Musgrave is my X factor this week. Um, Chargers are averaging nearly 70 yards a game, giving up tight ends and a 78.6 completion per, uh, rate. So they're they've given up over 600 like 50 yards or something like that to tight ends so far on the season. Hmm. Um, so I think with that pass rush, uh, Jordan Love's gonna have to look for quick outs or quick outlets, and I think um, Musgrave could have a big game in, on out routes and in the middle of the field. You know, the, the five to seven yard range. Just pick them apart a little bit, slow them down. Yeah, just throw the ball right behind the pass rush. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Jake, who is your X Factor? I kind of touched on it before, but it's the the Love and Watson duo. Um, I feel like Love is just really trying to just hammer that home and just make it work. 
And I know Watson is too, but this is the last piece that this offense needs before it just absolutely skyrockets and takes off into the top 10 in the NFL. So I'm looking for them to get on track. Um, obviously, we talked about the numbers. The The Chargers give up 290-plus pass yards per game. Love and Watson, baby. Let's, let's make it happen. And to your point, the thing with Love and Watson is as they develop – you know, their rapport, and we haven't brought this up actually, is that Watson missed a chunk of time in the beginning of the season. Yep. So they don't have four games of experience together yet. Yep. Um, is what it does for everybody else. Yep. And it makes everything easier for everybody else when teams have to pay more attention to Christian Watson. I agree. So mine is not a player. My X factor is third downs. Ah. So the Packers are third or sorry, the Packers are eighth on offense, 13th on defense. The Chargers are ninth on offense, third on defense. There's there's both of these are good third down teams on both sides of the ball. So that's that's really what I'm watching. Seriously, this whole game to me is gonna come down to third downs. So that being said, Bryant, what is your key to the game? I mean, it sounds simple, right? But it's score touchdowns, not field goals. Kind of like I was talking about with the Chargers. We need to hold them some field goals. We need to score some touchdowns. Um, with, if we're in the red zone, anything fourth and three and like less, I want to go for it at this point, like for in this game, because I know for a fact that the Chargers can turn around and punch us right in the mouth and score in four plays. Um, so I want, like, we need to be aggressive and just score points. Yeah. And finish drives, I would say, too. Finish and drive, add your yeah. touchdowns okay. of field goals. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what's your key to the game? So the numbers behind Brian's thought, because I'm also going with the red zone offense on both ends here. The Green Bay Packers have a 46.8%. This is just touchdowns. 46.8% red zone trips ending in touchdowns. That is 27th in the NFL. That is freaking putrid. The LA Chargers are 72% of their red zone trips end in touchdowns. So I looked up the home and road as well, because Green Bay's at home and Chargers are on the road. Green Bay, 40%. Red zone touchdowns at home. The Chargers are still 63% red zone touchdowns on the road. That, along with the third downs, because I was going to write down the third downs. I had all these numbers that, you know, Tyler was spouting off. So I was like, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> I switched to red zone because I was like, God, we suck in the red zone right now. So red zone offense on both ends. You ready to punch? You ready for me to punch a whole bunch of holes in your red zone theory here? You can try. Go ahead. My key is to finish between the 10 and the 20 yard line. The Packers, guess what they're guess what they rank in goal to go situations. I don't know. Just take a stab at it because I bet you're wrong. Third in the league. What'd you say? Third. Third? Jake, you venture a guess. Eleventh. Number one. Packers are number one in the NFL in goal to go situations which means all of their red zone woes happen between the 10 and the 20. That's fair. So that's where my key to the game is, is finish between the 10 and the 20-yard line. They're number one in goal to go. They're 27th overall in the red zone. Yeah. So finish between the 10 and the 20. It's like the all yellow. Right. All right, so we can uh, – we want to go with uh, Barry's weather report, or we want to go to Jake's? Put it on there. Put it on there. I was shocked. They were talking to LaFleur about it, and and they're like, I think we're like one of the best in the league. And they're like, you're number one. And I'm like, <laughs> like, goal to go? And, yeah, and I'm like, fuck, really? Like, 
and yeah, and Jake brought up obviously they're they're twenty seventh overall. I mean, it's wild that 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 makes that big of a difference in that ten yard section. Pretty nice yeah. weather actually for the game, huh? It is actually Go ahead, super that, windy, forty seven degrees. Uh, wind will be light. I have uh, sunny sky, sunny skies as well. So. Not mostly sunny. I have there we go. circled. Got the got the caption on and everything. All right, uh, Bryant, score prediction from the head. So my score prediction from the head is Chargers twenty eight, Packers twenty. Mine's not far off. Mine. I have Chargers twenty seven, Packers seventeen. Mm. If we don't score twenty points this game, I, we're not scoring twenty points the rest of the season. <laughs> Maybe well, against the Bears. Against the Bears. <laughs> Well, I mean, we play some lower competition. I mean, we're going to score 20 against the fucking Giants, dude. They're terrible. They might be the worst team in the NFL. I'm I was just going to say, like, you want to talk about a team who would be happy to be the Packers right now? It's the Giants. Seriously. <laughs> They're starting Danny DeVito's freaking grandson at freaking quarterback. That guy's terrible. <laughs> Off topic, but my brother sent a picture of Brian Dayball, and if you flip his head around, he looks the exact same. <laughs> the hair <laughs> from the top. I'll send it to you guys. <laughs> So he has a perfectly round edge. <laughs> I'll send it to you guys right now. All right. So for my uh, score so prediction from the head, I have the Chargers. This is the first time I've done this all year where I picked the opponent, but uh, I have Chargers winning 27-23. Ooh, just, just sent it. Take a peek real quick. Oh, God. I'm going to wait till after I say this next score because I might lose my shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> What the hell? That's so weird and unsettling. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Mickey Rourke in Sin City. <laughs> All right. Bryant, score prediction from the heart. Packers 28, Chargers 27. This is, like I said earlier in the game, this team, their, fan, their little fans they have should be disappointed in this team, and they seem to lose games they should win. So it's very right. possible they find a way to lose this game against us. So I put 28 Packers, 27 Chargers. Love it. Barry, we'll save it for the week we play the Giants. Um, <laughs> I have Packers 27, Chargers 23. Ooh. Okay. So I have Green Bay 24, Chargers 20. All right. Well, I think we're all predicting some close games here. All right. Let's yeah. do some. Let's do some Simon says, and then I want to talk about the rookies real quick because I have some pretty what I'll say are pretty mind blowing numbers. All right, Brian, well, kick us off. After you check that picture, we did. All right, I'll look right now. <laughs> Put it in the chat. Yep. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, are you serious right now? <laughs> All right, anyways. Oh, Barry said he's going out of left field that they tie. Bro. <laughs> oh, my God. He has the same double chin either way, dude. That's hilarious. So, okay, so my Simon says for offense, Love has never thrown for 300 yards in a game. He throws for over 350 this week. Ooh, three. Whoa. Whoa! If you would have said three hundred, I would have said yes. He had two eighty-eight last week. It's it's gonna take it's gonna take a dropless game. Be dropping dimes. Well, he's dropping dimes, but it's gonna mm -hmm. take. I'm gonna say 
No, that's too many. Yeah, I would have said yes to 300, 350 is a lot. But then you're gonna you're gonna call me a hypocrite when you hear mine. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, Barry asked if you guys are going hunting this weekend. I'm not a hunter. I grew up. I'm not a hunter either. Um, I'll just give you mine. Mine's pretty vanilla. Mine is love three touchdowns. Huh? I think so. I think we're gonna. I really like if he throws the ball fifty times this week. Whatever at this point. Yeah. Ooh, Aaron Jones is getting out of touches. Well, I'll throw ten passes to Aaron Jones then. I'm in. Yeah. All I right. Have loves first three hundred yard game with four touchdown passes. What's more likely, four touchdowns or three fifty? The four touchdowns usually. Yeah, those can be kind of. I would honestly, out of the two, I would say the three fifty. Really? Huh. Yeah, that's so fair. the Chargers. They give up more yards than than You're like. About to have an Aaron Rodgers and Houston game. Come on. Dude, I'm in. Same. Be wild, or or the the first half against the Bears, or or Matt Flynn against the Lions. I mean, hey, shit. or Matt Flynn against the Patriots. Shit, I would take that. <laughs> um, Barry said I need Jones to give me a good game for fantasy. All right, Bryant, what about defense? I have pretty simple. Defense slash special teams scores a touchdown, one of the two. Either or. One of them I'm with it. I'm on board. I feel I'm like that's it. how we upset this team. Hey. Big I, way of doing awesome. it. I put defense slash special teams scores a touchdown. And then rest don't screw us over and take it away. Bro. Okay, I will say this. The Rashawn Gary fumble recovery wouldn't have been a touchdown because he stepped out. I don't care. We could have scored three points there minimum. Still could have been. Changed the game. Changes the entire. Oh, game. Definitely changes the game. They got a field goal on that drive. They're first and goal at the two. They're getting a touchdown. I agree. All right, Jake. What about a defensive one? You guys are gonna say no. The Packers defense holds the Chargers to ninety rush yards. I can see that happening. Okay, if they throw if they the ball a shot. lot. If they throw the ball a lot, I could see it. Yeah, Austin Eckler doesn't make like. He doesn't make most of his point, like production on just rushes, True. pure rushes. He does a lot through the air. Um, Josh Kelly now can be a little dangerous for yeah. time to time. So but I could see it. I don't think yeah. it's likely, but I could see it. So mine transitions perfectly into talking about the rookies, but the rookies get a turnover, two tackles for loss, and two passes defense. Yep. Yes. I feel like that's almost a necessity. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's definitely I mean, going to be a necessity. The only one that. I could think could I would could be up there is who's going to recover, like get the turnover. Right? Is Carrington Valentine? Maybe he'll pick one, or maybe Lucas Van Ness can make a splash play and get the ball or something like that. So. All right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is this is a lot to be fully disclosure here. We had the question uh, Jake and I did during the Steelers reaction. Um, it was a Darian who's watched our show before asked if this is Gutekunst's best draft class. And I dug into the numbers, and I have I have some things. So you guys want offense or defense first? Offense. Offense. Okay. So the Packers' current leading receiver is a rookie in yards, which is Jaden Reed. Um, Jaden Reed is second in touchdowns, who is a rookie. Uh, Luke Musgrave is five receptions away from breaking the – uh, Green Bay tight end record, not for rookies, period. For a first season? Oh, wait, what did you say that again? Five receptions away from breaking the Green Bay tight end record. Holy cow. He's going to smash that. Yeah. He'll break it this week. He's, 
He's already got the number one rookie tight end record by over 200 yards. Oh. He is already over 20 receptions over the number one rookie record for the Packers. And the uh, the touchdowns, if he finishes with two touchdowns, he's got one touchdown. If he finishes with two touchdowns, that would be the second most for tight ends in Packers history for rookies. Jaden Reed, this is he's on pace for some some big numbers. He's on pace for 53 receptions for 787 yards and seven and a half touchdowns. The 53 receptions would tie him for second. The 787 yards would be fourth, four yards shy of tying Sterling Sharp for third. I like it. And then the seven and a half touchdowns would be third, more than Don Hudson and James Lofton had as rookies. Uh, Luke Musgrave is on pace for 55 receptions for 592 yards and two touchdowns. Then, Dontavion Wicks, even, he's on pace for um, 32 receptions. That's three behind Jordy Nelson. He's on pace for 453 yards. That would be 10th. That would be 13 yards behind Devontae Adams' rookie season. And he's on pace also for two touchdowns because he only has one so far. I'm with it. So Packers offense, rookies, I mean, pretty damn good. Special teams, Anders Carlton is 16 of 17 on extra points. The only one that he missed was blocked. 13 of 15 on field goals, and he's two for two from 50 plus. Defense, Um, 56 tackles. From rookies, that's 8% of the team's total. Um, Eight tackles for loss of 44 of the team. That's 18.2% of their total. And then they have just the one interception out of the team's five. Packers need more interceptions. Yeah. And then passes defensed. The rookies have accounted for 10 of the team's 42. That's 23.8% of the passes defensed by this team have come from rookies. Five of them came from the Rams game by Carrington Valentine, Anthony Johnson Jr., Carl Brooks um, on those plays, on those passes defense. So five of those ten came in two weeks ago's game. Yep. So all this Brayden Gutekinds doesn't doesn't deserve any credit. The GM needs to go is bullshit. This has been what I will say – I'm pretty comfortable saying this is easily his best draft class. Yeah, I'm, I'm good see, I will say this. I want to see the long-term development of him because it could be right. – It could be – I don't think it is. I think that they've been play for overall, a lot of our issues haven't been with the rookies. It's been with some veterans not stepping up and playing as well as we thought they would. But it could be, you know, a factor of them getting a lot of snaps because we're so young. But I, I'm, I don't think that's the case because I think, you know, Reed Wicks have shown – they could end up being our number one and two wide receivers next year. Like I love Romeo Dobbs and I still think he has his role, but I think both Reed and Wicks have shown that they can be more explosive, but Dobbs, I mean, he's going to be there. He can make some sick catches. So I like, I like your idea of third down and red zone. Like, I don't know if you guys remember when we did our, our draft prep from that season that like my big thing with Romeo Dobbs was his third down strong hands. I remember. Yeah. So, um, but we'll see. I think, I think Carl Brooks is showing a lot. 
Um, Colby mm-hmm. Wooden's coming around. I think um, Carrington Valentine has a swagger to be a really, really good cornerback in this league. Um, I think Anthony, I'm, a, I'm a Colby Wooden guy. I yeah. still love his play yeah. recognition. Yep. So Wooden's been good. And then, like, I, Luke Musgrave, I think, give it another year or two. You're talking about if his trajectory and his the way he's been playing continues to improve, he'll be a top five. I mean, I'm ready to say already he'll be a top five tight end in the league at that point in two years. Um, you know, because he's just such a threat. Is once he gets his like realizes I don't have to run 100 miles an hour every play, and he learns to slow down and get into the space, and then once he has the ball in his hands to take off, he's going to be even better than he already yeah. is. He's got to so, learn a little bit on on learning zone defenses, but that's yeah. but that comes. You know what I mean? Right, like for the most part, most tight ends take two years to develop. He's already going to have this, you know, go ahead. 50 catches. Yeah, he's on pace for 52. So. Let me throw this out there. It does involve giving a little bit of credit to our rivals, but the NFC North has some good fucking tight ends. Yep. Sam Laporta. I was I I will admit I said that was a weird pick. I can't believe they took Sam Laporta over like Luke Musgrave and stuff. Sam yeah. Laporta is absolutely balling out. Hey, shout out to everybody who dodged Michael Mayer. Yeah. I told you. I told you that he was not the best tight end in this draft class. He's played okay last few weeks too, but um, yeah, like I'm, I, if you told me to redraft it, I'd still, you know, Dalton Kincaid has been really good, but he wasn't there for us. Sam Laporta had already been picked. The only one I'm would, the only one I might do differently would be taking Washington over Kraft, but it's too early to really say that. Just for the pure blocking, but Kraft started to learn that. He's already learning that and pick it up. So I think yep. his receiving. We've seen uh, Tucker Craft make some pretty yeah. good blocks. I think, I think Tucker Craft will be a much better receiving option. Yep. He's got to yeah. grow a lot before we ever talk about Aaron Hernandez and uh, Rob, Rob in the receiving yeah. part. But his blocking, when I seen him hit TJ Watt like that, I was like, he didn't lose that exchange. Yeah. <laughs> Minimum. Like but yeah, this this narrative that Brian Gutekunst hasn't deserved any credit for this year's draft class. Is bullshit. This draft class has been fantastic. I agree with you, Bryant, that we need to give them, you know, see what they develop like. But right now, with the way that this draft class has performed through 10 games, Brian Gutekun absolutely nailed this draft. First year impact, easily the best so far. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, other than that, we will be back Tuesday, Tuesday night, because the Packers play next Thursday on Thanksgiving. So we will be back on Tuesday night to recap the Chargers game, preview the Lions game. We are taking next Friday evening off, and then we're going to be back the following Friday. So it's going to be kind of a long while before we recap the Lions game, same way we did the last Lions game from the Thursday night. Um, So other than that, uh, we will be back Tuesday and then the following Friday. So I will see you guys Tuesday night. I'll I'll be in a little late on Tuesday, but I'll be here. Unacceptable. You're fired. Okay, I won't be here. All right. See you guys Tuesday. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.